Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you need to check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders share with me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before. If you don't have texting as part of your modern sales process, you need to. Scipio has the best automated texting platform I've ever seen. Scipio's texting platform will help you build personalized relationships at scale in an authentic way your customers will appreciate. Salespeople using Scipio, they say big things happen. They're seeing a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that leads to more conversations, which we all know leads to more sales. And while the results speak for themselves, don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio.com and use the code ROB, that's R-O-B, for a 30-day trial on the plan of your choice, courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio.com and use the code ROB to see just how good a modern messaging platform can be. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Troy Barter, Director of Sales at Hired. Now, Troy and the Hired team are changing how companies and potential team members connect and simplify the hiring and recruiting process. Brad's had a really impressive journey as a sales leader with stops at several iconic companies, most recently with PandaDoc before Hired. He's having great success at Hired. And I've been a big fan on his perspective of sales leadership for a while now. Now, in the three years I've been hosting this show, the Sales Leadership Podcast, it has been awesome to connect with so many fantastic sales leaders and learn what it is that makes them win. And my favorite part is meeting these people that are active, practicing sales leaders who get what the role of sales leader is and execute it on that every single day. And I'm excited to tell you that Troy is one of these guys. He's one of the people that gets it. He understands the role and the results follow. What we're going to discuss today is one of the most important topics I think a sales leader can hear right now. I'm talking about this with sales leaders all around the world. Troy has a very good opinion and point of view on this. We're in for a real treat on this one. It's a conversation I've really been looking for. And I can promise you this. If you're not connected to and following Troy yet, by the end of this show, you're going to want to for sure. Troy, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to uh, excited to get going and discuss the topic. It was uh, it was interesting on LinkedIn posting it. You know, I said to my wife, I was like, man, I was I, I kind of just wrote this. It's the beauty of LinkedIn, right? Like I wrote it like in bed still, like just groggily, like, Oh, I've been thinking about this. Let me just kind of bang it out real quick. And, you know, a a minute or two later and it, uh, it got really good engagement, man. People really, really liked it. And I I think it, uh, it struck a nerve and, um, you know, I, I, it's nice to see that people kind of, uh, share that, uh, that feeling about, um, 
kind of paying it forward and doing the right thing as a leader um, and really making the world kind of a, a, a better place than it was maybe for you when you got started. I can't wait to dive in, but, but just, uh, just to get, get things set, set the stage as we get ready. I, I love man. I, I'm, my, my sleeves are rolled up, brother. I'm ready to dive into this one. Why don't you just introduce, uh, why don't you just introduce hired uh, to our listeners and, and, and what you guys do for your customers. And let's follow it up by a little bit about your journey on just at a high level, how you got involved in sales. I always love hearing that story and I, you got a good one. So. Yeah. So uh, hired, like what's an ideal customer for hired? Uh, you're, you're actively hiring. Maybe you're having some difficulty getting the responses that you were looking for, getting the candidates that you're looking for. As far as what you're hiring for, tech would be the number one thing as far as like software engineers and things that are around that. Um, we work in a few spots in Europe, in the United States, where we have availability for remote roles on the platform as well. And we also are gearing into sales roles as well. So account executives, sales developers, sales leadership. If you're looking to fill those roles, why do people come to us? Uh, you know, we have tremendous engagement rate because we don't have people that are on the platform from three years ago. You know, usually it's around like 10 weeks or so that a candidate would be on there. So you know that when you get in, you've got people that are within that window where they're really interested and you're going to get better engagement rate. You know, I talked to um, a prospective client yesterday that was trialing us and they said, yeah, I, I get really good response rates. You know, I get good responses when they say that they're interested and they're, they're even faster when they say no, which, you know, as a salesperson, I've always said yeah. no is the second best thing that you hear all day, right? So yep. even that I thought was encouraging where things aren't just kind of left sitting around out there. So if your goal is to, uh, you know, hire great candidates and hire quickly, and it's something you might be struggling with in the tech software engineer, you know, sales, you know, uh, realm, hired is more than likely going to be the right thing for you. You know, incredibly easy to use platform. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're really uh, growing extremely quickly right now, uh, for sure. Congrats on your success. And that is a massive problem, maybe bigger than it's ever been right now, to be honest. And we, we could have an episode just on that. And maybe we'll have to do that as a round two a few months from now. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but give us just the, the high level on, on, you know, I love hearing this. I, I, I'm a guy that did not plan on getting into sales when I grew up. I'm still like scratching my head how it happened. Cause I thought I was going to be a first baseman for the Dodgers. And, um, yeah. I ended up in sales and it's the greatest profession in the world. How, how did you end up in sales and how did it lead you to hire? Yeah, I thought, um, I thought I was going to be a, a center for the Celtics. And then I realized six, five doesn't really translate once you're uh, out of high school. Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, there's probably a good parallel. There's probably a good post in there somewhere where you got to learn how to handle the ball, even if you're tall, because someday you're not anymore. But, um, I went into school for teaching. I wanted to teach history and, um, I went to, uh, a real illustrious school, Hillsborough Community College, which Hulk Hogan did graduate from. So at least we got a few, we got a few hey. really good uh, astute learners uh, at uh, at Hillsborough Community College. But I took the summer and uh, sold cars and realized, oh, okay, this I'm uh, making way more than I would uh, as a history teacher. I still wanted to teach. I, I liked the impact that my you know sociology and history teachers had on me, but. I figured I'd find a way to teach sales, you know, down the road maybe, and I could still get that fulfillment, but, uh, couldn't, could not pass up the bag. There was too much money to be had. And it was, uh, you know, uh, that, that kind of changed my mind. And I, I really didn't look back for years. I eventually actually finished up that, 
little associate's degree a few years back, but, uh, you know, a good, good 15 years later after I was uh, really running with things in sales and, um, started selling cars and done a little of everything in sales. So, you know, I, I thought car sales was the only thing. It was the only sales job, you know, when I first started in my <laughs> early twenties and then, um, moved to door to door sales, business to business, selling, uh, broadband, telephone, home security, deregulated electricity, uh, did a little bit of telemarketing. I've done a, a little of everything I've done well at all of them at some point. I failed at all of them at some point and I've, you know, learned from a little bit of it. And I think it's, I think it's helpful. Um, you know, when it comes to sales leadership, the more of a diverse, uh, experience you have in sales and the kind of the more jobs that you took at first, because it becomes like, uh, if you ever seen Slumdog Millionaire that, yes. uh, where, you know, he's, he's in the seat and he happens to have life experiences that have the answers to all the questions that lead to the million, right? Like he just happens to have experienced something that relates to whatever they're asking. And the more experience you get in sales, you run into another role and you kind of already have the answer to a lot of the questions, or at least you have a good framework for the answers to, uh, you know, different obstacles that you can run into. Um, the, the more that I, uh, the more that I worked in different places I was at, the more that I learned. And I, um, I got into SAS, uh, you know, with fleet Maddox in 2013, I was already a director, uh, already had, uh, you know, teams in Chicago. Uh, we had teams in Tampa. I had like 60 to 70 person org as a national director of sales. And, to get into SAS, you know, I, I, I hear with people with this all the time where they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm a you know high end salesperson, but I'm not in SaaS. I want to I want to break into it, and I'm like, well, the easiest way is to be an SDR, and I practice what I preach. I was a national director of sales. I moved into an SDR role. Um, wow. When uh, you know, I I saw that there was a, a, a much stronger opportunity to build a career in that than a hundred percent commission door to door, even though I had a, a, a solid team, I just, it felt like this was the right move and I jumped all in and, um, you know, was a SDR moved into an AE role, moved into a director role, uh, at, uh, at fleet Maddox, which was acquired by Verizon for 2.4 billion, um, which was, was pretty awesome. Uh, and then, uh, Congrats, once it was at Verizon, yeah. The, the building kind of stops, right? You know, you're maintaining this massive machine more than you are building something and building stuff can, can be more fun, you know? So I eventually moved over to, uh, to Panadoc, which was, uh, you know, a startup. Uh, it was at the time a fairly small startup, um, you know, digital signature competitor with, yep. with DocuSign. Great product, um, became a, a unicorn a couple of months ago, um, you know, yep. privately held a company evaluated at a billion dollars, I think through their, their series C and, um, you know, it, uh, I, I saw the opportunity at hired, um, met with their CRO, uh, Amy Pisano and really liked the vibe that I got from her. Um, the amount of empathy that she had for the team, her sales instincts, I felt like were a lot more spot on than you get with a lot of chief revenue officers where that's only a small part of their job. Um, and really liked the product and how easy it was to use, uh, how easy it was to implement. Every SaaS salesperson can tell you the worst thing is when you sell it and then Oh, it's there's a snag in onboarding where there was something that we didn't realize, and now we're going to get a chargeback and everything like that. And just a simple product that people really need right now um, is what led me to kind of hop over there, and that's uh, and that's where okay. I am now. You know, what that's a great the, that's, story. I, I I can see two episodes that we should be having now. One is that what problem you solve at your company, but the other is 
your willingness to jump all in and investing in yourself. What a, what a great uh, conversation we could have there just on that. But, but let's, let's get into this other one. Let's set the stage with this, this uh, first post that you mentioned, you know, you and I connected over LinkedIn and uh, I I like your content. Whenever I see stuff from you, I read it. And, uh, and one of the topics that resonated with me was, it was like only a week ago or so that I saw it was you mentioned how rare it was to have a strong sales mentor. In fact, you said you never really had one and went on to say that now one of your favorite parts of sales leadership is helping young salespeople get to a level that it took you 15 years to figure out on your own. I'm really interested in how this aha moment happened. And I I really want to talk about why being that kind of a leader becomes so important, but how did that aha moment happen when you realized that's the jam, man, helping people get where you got or even farther than you got faster. How how did you figure that out? Well, I mean, it's, you think about how you felt through your journey in sales. You know, I started in 2006, you know, so good 15, 16 years going into it. And like the amount of heartache and the amount of frustration where it's like, man, if I had known what I know now, a lot of this wouldn't have occurred. Like there was, it's not even a shortcut. It's just that I wasn't even on a path. Like I was, mm. I was out in the world a lot of times and the road was right by me, you know, and I just didn't have anyone to kind of guide me into that direction. And it's, it's harder to do anything when you feel like you're alone, you know, when, when the manager isn't really a leader and, you know, the, what, what they're really doing is more holding you accountable through consequence than building you up um, and trying to motivate you and trying to invest in you where, you know, I, I really prefer with teams that, you know, I, and it, I, I don't know if whether it's a positive or a negative for me, it's been a positive that I, I take business kind of personal, you know, I, I want to personally invest in people. And I think it kind of uh, has reflected well in my sales career where, you know, at PandaDoc, a good third of my team was personal recruits, people that I picked up along the way, you know, some as early as, as 2008 um, and, and still work with me. Um, because of that, uh, that investment that I make in them, you know, but it, it, it really is when you have someone that's new, I would say not even just younger people, but people that are young in their sales career, you know, more than anything where you can let them know like, Hey, here's, here's what I did. I always don't tell them that it's the only way to do it either, but I'll tell them how it worked for me and why it worked. Um, and that it's, it probably would help you get there a little bit quicker, you know, um, really in and outside of sales, you know, Matt Maxikevich, who is at Panadoc still, he's a leader there. I remember telling him like, Hey man, like if I were you in my early twenties starting to do well, uh, haven't bought a house yet. I I'd, I'd look at buying a triplex. I'd, I'd, re- I'd highly recommend it at the level that you're at. And he, he has, and it's already, you know, working out really well for him. It's just, I think, um, the more investment that you make in people, the, um, the more that they want to fight for you. And also that, that Rolodex and those relationships that you make in sales are huge as a leader, you know, cause you're always going to be hiring and you're always going to want more insight than you have. So I, even when they don't work for you, you know, if I need help with cadences or something like that, I'm reaching out to a lot of people that I don't work with anymore, but have really good insight because I know they're on the right path and doing the right things. All right there's so many things I've just taken half a page of notes on just this first thing you said, this idea of being on the right path. I I love that you have this awareness that 
you thought you were going somewhere, but you weren't even on a path. You were just kind of next to a path. That is super insightful, man. Um, I, I love that because I, I have a personal belief that our job as sales leaders is to create well-lit paths for success. Um, what do you think the role of a sales leader is? I, I'm really interested. Like when we, when we talk about the role of a rep, it's to sell. Obviously, we got to produce. What do you think the role of a leader is? I think in its in its simplest form, um, which you know I can kind of tell by my background to quote uh, to quote Bill Belichick. He got he got interviewed by I think it was Bill Cower, and he was like, you know, you've done all this. I think at the time he had five rings or something like that. Like, okay. what's left? Like, what motivates you? And he said, it's really just to leave the game better than I found it. Uh, and I think at like its its simplest form, it's. You know, I worked at a company called Sidcor, and you by no stretch was anyone in the entry level making a borderline enough to survive at the time, like even if you were performing. But their whole thing was when you leave here, you're going to be in a way better spot developmentally in your sales career than you were when you started. And uh, that's why people kept coming in the door every day. You know, that's why people kept going is because they knew that they were being developed. It was almost like college for sales. And it really built the foundation for my career in a lot of ways. And I've tried to take that and say, all right, well, what if I did that? But I, I, and I kept that same energy, but at places where maybe the entry level made a a good amount more than that, where, you know, but we're not leveraging just a lot of places. If you pay good, then it's like, well, they should figure it out on their own. We're paying them to do that. And a lot of places it's like, well, we're not paying them to do that. So we better develop them. We'll do both, you know, leave every person that, that comes on better than, um, than when you, uh, you started with them. And, and that includes people that maybe don't make it. You know, I, I talked to a lot of people that I, I had a kind of a, a short time with, uh, and I always let them know, like, if you need anything, like legitimately, like hit me up, like I, I would, I would talk sales for free. You know, that's not what I get paid for. Like, I, I love to do that. I'll do it outside of work. No problem. You know, Warren Sapp, um, he said on Howard Stern, it's a quote that I really like. He says, uh, you know, they don't pay me for Sunday. They pay me to practice. You know, Sunday's my pleasure. I'll do Sunday for free. That's how I feel like when it comes to like conversations like this, or if like on LinkedIn, people hit me up and say, Hey, like, do you have time to talk? Like I'll make time. I'll find time to talk. I would do that for free. You know, in general, like what I get paid to have to do the meetings, like where I'm presenting like, Oh, here's what we're doing for the month and everything like that. And in meetings and everything like developing people and talking sales, like I'd do that all day for free. You know, that's, um, that's, that's the exciting part. That's the fun part. Well, I listen to you say that and I feel your energy. In fact, it pumps me up. It, it fires me up to hear you say that. And, and I love that you like genuinely believe that it's obvious that this is core to who you are. Here's my next, like, as I listen to it, it, it just makes so much sense who you are, where it comes from. Um, why do you think so few sales leaders have that perspective? Why do you think it's rare to have a strong sales leader that does what you just said? leaves the game better than you found it, leaves the people better than you found them, helps them get better. And before you answer, let me tell you why. I've been having this conversation. I, I shared this with you in my coaching practice. I coach a lot of sales leaders and I had one of my favorite sales leaders, super successful, uh, Troy. He told me, he said, Rob, man, I never had like one of those difference maker sales leaders that like really helped me get there faster. He said, I, I had to figure it all out. It was almost like what you said. And he said that now that I lead a billion dollar revenue team and I have 
a huge number of reps, et cetera, said, I'm actually nervous because I never had someone and I don't want to just do what was done to me and be that same kind of absentee father, if you will, for all these people. So why do you think so few get what you've already figured out? Well, I think it took time um, for sure. And I think it's, it's what is that leader's why, you know, like, why, why are you really there? And, and not just the BS version that you would say, you know, on a podcast or in an interview or something like that, what's your actual why, you know, if you're looking in the mirror, just talking to yourself, what's your actual why, you know, and for me, like, I think part of it is kind of selfish, but it's, you know, I, I believe that, that sales and, and leading in sales is, is my calling. I think it's what I can do at, at an elite level. I can't point to many things that I think I can really do on a really elite level. Like, and I think this is, it's the one that gets me most excited and it's, it's kind of legacy a bit, you know, of, um, of building out that legacy. And if you're a coach and every sales leader is a coach, I mean, how are coaches viewed? Yeah, you're viewed on on championships, but I think a big part of it that people don't talk about is, or especially in football, but some in basketball as well, like what's your learning tree? Like the people that were under you, who can you point to? Because I, I know a lot of sales leaders that lead enormous companies, you know, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar companies. No one's following them anywhere. No one's pointing to them as the reason why they had success. In fact, a lot of times, they believe that they had success in spite of them, not partially because of them. And I just never wanted to be that leader. I wanted it when, when, you know, people had success that, you know, it was, it was exciting to me and I was invested in their success because the reality is any, anyone that's ever on a team of mine or really isn't, and I've even just worked with, and they, they weren't a direct report or even within my org, that's a part of my learning tree. You know, that's the real reflection of, of who I am as a, um, as a sales leader. Um, it's not just the target, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it's that to me is the, the legacy of a sales leader. And, wow. you know, I, I look at it a little bit different because like, I, I don't want to be a sales guy. I want to be the sales guy, you know, like I, I that's kind of in my goals. Like I'm not on LinkedIn on accident. When I add people to LinkedIn, I tell them specifically, I never try to sell any of my connections, anything. And it's true. I'm not, I'm not adding connections to try to sell. I'm adding connections to try to build up a, a, a sphere of influence that I can, you know, I can help impact, you know, the, the more people that I can, the better, like that's, that's what excites me. So I think for me, because those are my goals, like, and that's, that, that's kind of the perspective that I've built. It, it's pretty easy because it's not exactly selfless. Like I can be kind of selfish to do it and feel like there's a big what's in it for me. But the reality is it's a pretty good one to have a selfish reason to do because it does, it does help provide a lot of value to the people that I work with. Yeah. I think that is a big one. And we got thousands of sales leaders listening to our conversation right now all around the world. And I think that is like your concept of a learning tree. That's, that's the first time I've ever heard it put that way. Like, I, I love this idea. I want to sit in this learning tree concept for a minute, if you don't mind, because yeah, absolutely, because I always start with role. Whenever I w- work with organizations or sales people or sales leaders, roles first. You know, role drives everything. What you think your role is drives what a high value activity is, and then that drives how you spend your time, and it drives what you know how you do it. And let me share a story that happened just yesterday. I was on site with a, a team 
that is just trying to make the jump from being small company to medium size slash high growth company. They got some funding, done some things. Uh, their sales leaders were also selling, if that makes sense, while they were young, not mm-hmm. just not just leading. But they're at a point where they need the leaders to be real leaders and not sell anymore. And getting some of these leaders to say, I won't supplement my income with what I close on my own is scaring some of them. You're smiling right now. I love it. So they have a role problem, right? They have a role problem. We spent a lot of time yesterday talking through that. Can we just go a little farther? And like, I love how you said your role isn't what you did for you. Your role was this learning tree. Like I've never seen it or thought of it that way, but it makes total sense because in my mind, the role of a leader is a growth and improvement role. The role of a sales rep is an outcome role. And so that means our success on our role is how many places can we say we helped them grow? Fair to say? Absolutely. I'm I'm smiling because I, um, well, there's, there's some questions that generally come at the end of your podcast. And literally I wrote down what you just kind of covered as far as what's, uh, what's a challenge, uh, for, for leaders, especially new ones when they're, when they're transitioning in, um, when I became a director at Fleet Maddox, I was definitely in the top three globally as an account executive. Yep. And the way that it works there is, hey, you can supplement your income by still closing these deals. Um, I, t- I didn't take over a team that had a high, le- uh, uh, they weren't crushing it. They weren't knocking it out of the park. They had really good account executives. They had some potentially really good um, SDRs, but it wasn't quite clicking um, as far as the pipeline that was being developed across the board for the account executives. And it's like, all right, my AEs are struggling with pipeline. I'm really going to take some of these deals. Like I took zero deals. I didn't work any of them, even though I mean, I was closing my last three months as an AE, I was closing around 80% um, from set to close, which sounds ridiculous and sounds unheard of, but numbers don't lie. I got the spreadsheets. But that like, to me, like if I was one of those AEs and someone came in knowing that we have an issue with pipeline and then they start closing these deals, even if it's because they want to help the team hit target, it's like, that is not a good first impression, in my opinion. Like that's not like, uh, and I knew that. I feel like in in sales and in sales leadership, like being selfless results in you getting selfish results. Like if you're if you're selfless with your team, then you're really going to get what you want long term better for, from a selfish perspective. You'll always make more money if you invest in people selflessly. You know. Um, even like uh, this is probably a big one with all sales leaders, especially individual contributors when it comes to like rules of engagement. Like I'll, I'll err on the side of something that doesn't benefit me when it comes to like rules of engagement, like who, which org should have this lead. If I believe that that's the way that it should be in the spirit of the business, like I'll, I'll, I'll err on the side of that. And I've given a lot of deals up because of that, you know, but I feel like if you do that, then it, it comes around for you. Um, you know, it may not come around right away and it's, it's a little bit of karma, but it, it, it absolutely is. It's important. And that is, I mean, that's definitely what a lot of young leaders struggle, especially if they were a high performer, like yeah. how do you stop having that control? How do you move towards having faith in others and, and letting them kind of control your destiny a bit with your guidance? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think that that's a really important one that I don't know if it gets talked about enough. It's, it's, I'm really glad you're willing to talk about it because I'm seeing it all the time. I, and I spent a full day on it on site with someone yesterday 
I, I, I remember talking to the CRO afterwards and his question was, will this person make it? That's what he asked me. Will this person make it? And I said, yep. only you're going to be able to figure that out. I said, it may be that this person needs to stay as an individual contributor. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's what they want. Yep. If that's their jam, then go contribute, man. But I think in order to be that leader, I think that's one of the reasons why, Troy, there's so few that become that legacy, high impact, uh, you know, legendary leader that, that has this learning tree. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use that in my, my work. I love that, man. That's such a great, I like, who are the people that you built and what have they done and who have they influenced? That's what, that's the jam, man. That is the jam. And that that's, that's something I think everybody can, can really get their head around and say, yeah, that totally makes sense. So let me then ask you another question. As you were talking early on, I wrote down five or six yep. things that I think will fuel all the rest of the time that's already going fast. I can't believe how fast this conversation is going, man. You mentioned something about um, experience, how you used your experience to become a strong sales leader. This is really interesting because sales changes so fast. It's so fast how fast it changes. And so can we talk for a minute about the role of experience as being a, a, a sales leader without becoming a has-been? How do you do that? How do you avoid being the person that walked uphill in the snow both ways, right? I mean, part of it is not falling into the trap of telling everyone that you walked uphill both ways, which I struggle <laughs> with uh, heavily. I'm, I, I can be long-winded. I can find myself telling stories. Uh, I, I did a, a, an article about this where leaders can really fall into that trap of like talking about how hard they had it, how they overcame it. And like the perception or the way that they position it is like, I'm Superman. Right. Like I did, I, I crushed it. There was nothing in my way. I never failed. I had the right mindset and that's not inspiring. Like when someone hears that, especially if they're really new, it's one or two things. They're going to be like, all right, this person is, you know, a D bag. Like this, like, I don't, I don't want to follow this person whatsoever. Right. Or it, it, like, and, and they'll stop buying into you, you know, for sure. It definitely happens. Like, or it's like, oh, they did do this. They buy into it. But then it's like, well, that seems physically impossible. I fail every day. I doubt myself every day. I don't see how I could possibly do what they did. It seems like they have innate qualities that I don't have. Like the more I talk about my failures, like and are as candid as possible about it, the better like uh, like uh, engagement I get from my my team, from really anyone that I talk to, because you know it, it's everything out there. You think about any like influential sales leader that's on anything, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and everything, and it's like how often are they talking about their failures versus you look at them and they're like, wow, this is borderline unattainable what they did. It is attainable. They fail every day. Like they second guess themselves every single day. It doesn't matter who it is. Like it's just not talked about enough. Um, and I think that's like a big part of the experience and avoiding that is like when you're telling these stories, if you're going to like err on the side of telling them how you failed and then how you figured it out, not on just like, hey, here's the work habit that worked for me. Yeah. And I, I figured it out because I'm so smart. Yeah, the sales version of that is I learned this early on. Nobody wants to hear that when I cut my teeth in sales, uh, my lead gen was the phone book and my engagement yeah. tool was the phone. Like as soon as yeah. someone hears you say that, they're like, 
well, you don't get it. Like, what are you even talking to me for? Right. And here's why I bring it up, Troy. I I think there's three kinds of trust. I think trust is the currency of, of the relationship in any, between anybody, but most certainly between rep and leader. Okay. That's what we trade on is that trust. And there's three kinds. I, I, one of those kinds of trust, they're all, they all start with C. The second one is competency. You know, that's that technical trust. Does my leader know how to do the job they're asking me to do? And, and I think that competency trust, that technical trust is really important and it's a fine line. You don't want to be that parent that says, well, back when I was doing this, you don't want to do that, but you also want people to say, man, I have a lot to learn from this person. You know, how do I get more interaction with them? What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree? Disagree? I'd love to get your, your point of view on that. Man, that was a bad time for my my internet connection to say that it's uh that it's that it's unstable. Um, uh, for, forgive let me, me. Say it again. Then. No, let me say it again. Yeah, if you if you could, man. Yeah, no, no problem. Three kinds of trust. I believe there's three kinds of trust, yeah. and and the second C of trust is is competency. It's that technical trust, or it says, man, my leader, they know how to do this. Man, I got a lot I can learn from them, and so it's a fine line, I think, of being like what you said that. Leader on a pedestal. Leaders on a pedestal. My, you know, my my first law of of sales leadership is leaders on pedestals make easy targets. Put yourself on a pedestal; they want to knock you down. Yep. However, if you have good connection or competency trust, you can have people say, "Dang, I want to learn from that person how they do that." And I think it's a tightrope. I think it's a really like a thin line that we're on. Any thoughts around? how you can use that to demonstrate competency, um, not yep. by being like the know-it-all, not by being the guy on the pedestal, but rather to be that person that you know accelerates their learning tree. So it's easier if you got promoted internally as an individual contributor and now you're the manager there. I think it's easier to do. Uh, and I, 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 it's harder when you're coming in and your reputation no longer precedes you because you're at a new place and they have no clue. And even if they did know a little bit about you somehow, like maybe they have a friend that worked with you or something like that, you've got a new product now. Like, so it's really easy to look at it like, well, just because they were competent here, you know, we've all known salespeople that it didn't translate when they moved over to the next product quite the same way. They didn't, you know, they, they, they didn't quite adopt it the same way. Um, when it comes to the internal promotion side, absolutely. I mean, at Fleet Maddox, what drove me as an individual contributor was, you know, I knew that the team that I would more than likely take over had like the Jerry West of Fleet Maddox on it, or won four Rolexes, like was unstoppable, was like the global top AE and was struggling that year, not because of issues they were having on the closing side, it was because they didn't have the pipeline. And I knew it was like, you know, if I can just get a hold of that SDR team, it's like, well, I bet you I could like, how is he going to trust me to lead him? Like, I got to, I got to kind of kick his ass beforehand. Like I I better find a way um, to, you know, do the most and, and get an edge. And I remember like the day that it was announced that I was going to be director, I pulled him into a room and told him, I was like, dude, all the work that I've been doing, staying late, changing when I go to sleep, like a a large part of everything that I've done to get to that top three where I'm at right now was in case that I ever was going to have to lead you someday, just because I I knew that I needed to earn the right to do that because of everything that you've done here. He had tears in his eyes when I I covered that with him because he knew... 
how much I, I like I was it was genuine. There was no no BS involved. Like and I obviously like rolling it out that way. But even then, like the reality is I had to get on some calls. They don't really know whether or not you're the truth until you're actually in there in the game. You know, I don't, I, it, that, that's, it's just the fact it, you're, you're going to have a really hard time convincing people that you can do it at a high level unless you actually show them with prospects. And as soon as I started to get on the phone with them and then he was like, Oh, you, you really are, you know, you, you really are on a similar level. Like, and then they, they start to listen to what you have to say, you know, at, at Panadoc, it was very similar. You know, they had a superstar young rep. Um, and you know, I, I, uh, he, I think he respected me off the bat, but there's a difference between respect and really like looking at somebody like there's someone that you can leverage as a, a value add on a sales call. And the only way is to get on those calls. I mean, I have them dealing with the same thing at, at hired. Now it's like, all right, who's going to let me on these calls? Cause a lot of people at hired more than doubled their target for the year. Like they're already killing it. Why would they want me on their calls? They already got it. Right. But I know that I could still add some value. So it's, it's finding those folks that are willing to, and then letting the social proof kind of uh, handle it. It's, it's harder though. Like you can't just come in and be like, I, I already did it. You guys watched me over the past year, kill it on this product. Like, so it's a lot of building a relationship and, and building trust. And then, being able to get on that call. And when you get on that call, it's being able to stay on those calls. And to me, the best way of being able to do that is let them know, Hey, just so you know, like, I think I know what I'm doing pretty well. Uh, this is your call. So like, I'm not doing, we're going to be on Slack during this. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying anything unless it's with your permission. Like, you know, we're going to be talking throughout this. Like, this is your deal. I will give you suggestions, but if I have an idea, like I'm going to type it to you ahead of time. And, and if, if it makes sense to you, I'm going to run with it. You know, you have control of your deal. Like it's, it's just part of having faith in people. And also like, you know, salespeople, especially at a high level, can be pretty protective of their process and about their, their prospects. And Absolutely. if they don't feel like you're respecting that, then they're not going to let you on that call. And if they don't let you on those calls, then there's not too much of an impact that you can have for them really. You know, I, I, I know everyone likes, you know, Gong and I like Gong too, as far as reviewing calls and everything, but Real time is the best. So let's talk opinion. about that. I'm so glad you yeah. brought that up. That was one of the things I thought we might get to, and you you just took us there. So today we're talking about being one of those elite leaders that has elite impact in creating, you know, legendary impact to people's growth. Um, you've talked about connection. We've talked about some really important things. Coaching, I think, is part of that. You know, they, they choose you. They yep. enroll to have you have impact. One of the things that I find is a mistake that is often made is, again, I work with a lot. Like that's, I don't work with reps much anymore. I mostly work with sales leaders. I think there's a really wide interpretation for people on what it means to be a coach. And the reason I will say that with confidence is recent studies say over 80% of leaders, they self-identify as awesome at coaching, but over 80% of the reps that work for those leaders say the help I get from them is not that helpful. (laughs) And and so being a coach, that is a difference maker, being a leader, that's a difference maker. That's what we're talking about today. How important are creating those moments of observation? So you're able to look at them and say, this is what we got to work on. How important is that? It's the most important. Like if you like part of being a leader is like, you're kind of a, a mechanic, right. Of the process. If the process is the vehicle, you're the, you're the mechanic. And, 
you know, if you're trying to fix the brakes when they're brand new and the issue is, you know, you know, something completely different, it's electrical. Like you're, you're, you're not going to really, uh, optimize your vehicle very well by doing that. So you have to be able to diagnose and, 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 and find those problems. And I think a big part of that is just having a step driven process um, and having a tangible process where it's not, you know, I, I think most sales places don't have that. They might have stages that have some exit gates and some entry gates, you know, but it's really more for Salesforce than for coaching. Like you need a process where you can look and you can pull it apart and look at everything. And it's very clear when looking at it all, like, oh, this is hands down the weakest part of their game. You might not roll it out to the rep that way, but it's very easy to catch, you know, once you have those, those identifiable building blocks uh, of what's going to take you from point A to point Z in a sale. I think that's a big difference maker because like a lot of, like when people say, well, not all top performers can be sales leaders. They can. I think they can. It's a matter of whether or not they want to. But a big part is, are they reflective and do they know their own process or do they not realize what they're even doing? You know, you ever ask a top performer like, hey, how do you do this? Oh, well, I just grind every day. No, that's not just it. You have a process that you don't even realize is your process. That's And you probably do the same thing every time. And you know the exit gates, the entry gates, what to work on. But it's all like in your subconscious. It's not something that you're you're really paying attention to because at this point, like it's you know, second nature for you that you built over time. And I think the ability to reflect on that and turn it into a repeatable process um, and being willing to embrace changing it when you move from one place to the next because it doesn't always work from one place to the next is, is a big part of it. Um, it's hard to diagnose if you don't have that process. It's, uh, it's almost impossible to, to, to be able to really diagnose stuff with your team. Yeah, I think it is. And I think the reason I bring it up, <clears throat> we're in this world where everybody talks about being data-driven and trust me, I get the importance yeah. of that. I'm on record having said this many times. I'll say it again now. Data never lies, but it never tells the whole story either. And, yep. um, and I don't think any reps want to just have who they are be boiled down to a few metrics and numbers or KPIs or whatever you call them on a dashboard. And I'm thinking of another leader that I work with who was telling me, Rob, I'm just not getting impact with my people. And so I asked him, we switched it around and said, talk to me about how you create these ob- moments of observation. How do you like see what's happening, not just on a call, but how do you see all the other parts? How do you do that? And it was interesting to break it down and have them start saying, how do I create these moments of observation so I can therefore have a right to have something to offer? And, and I think that when COVID hit, everybody went home and went, they kind of went away from, and and you're, what I love about you is everything, about your whole company is hundred percent remote, right? And so you have Uh, the AE side is, yeah. yeah. You yeah. have to be able to do that without being eyeball to eyeball. A lot of people only yeah. did it when they were eyeball to eyeball. It, can you create moments of observation in a remote world? You can, but it's harder. Um, you know, uh, again, if I look at the, the three uh, companies that I've, uh, I've been a sales leader at in SaaS, Fleetmatics, I crushed it as an AE. And then I was in person with my team. Man, this is easy. I'm making investments in and outside of work. You know, we're doing team nights, everything. It's easy. It was, it was way easier to do it that way. There's a different vibe in the room. If you're someone that's, you know, prides yourself in, in, in motivating and being a speaker when you're in that room of 30 people and you're, you know, you're, you're getting them hyped up then on a zoom, 
You know, it's not, it doesn't quite hit the same way. Panadoc, uh, yeah, I was not remote for five months out of the two years. And then we went remote, but that, that five months was huge because that builds it up also where I was like, oh yeah, I can build out this thing remote. It's like, yeah, but I have the social proof of those people that I spent those five months with. And yeah. a lot of them ended up being like my hitters that were like, you're rowing in with me. You know, I had, I had momentum already built before we went remote hired. No one knows who I was before I got here and it's fully remote. It's it, that, so I thought I had it figured out on remote and it's like, no, you, you have a lot to, to work on. So I, I, I kind of wrote this up a bit. I, I thought about this um, as far as how to coach somebody on something, uh, especially remote and how to, how to roll something out. Let's say there's a change that you need to make, whether it's on a one-on-one basis or for the team. And I, I, I broke it down to how leaders typically do it. Bad, good, better, best. So uh, when it comes to like rolling something out, I would say a bad leader covers the what and the consequences. And that's generally it. Everyone's experienced that before, right? Hey, we're doing this or else. Now go do it, you know, and uh, there's not much how to do it. Figure it out. This is what we're doing. By the way, if you don't do it, here's what's going to happen. Or it's a, a veiled threat and they don't tell you what's going to happen. But you have an idea that there's going to be some negative consequences if you, if you don't do this. A good leader covers the what and the how. Hey, here's what we're going to do. And give you an idea of how to do it. This is like, like 2010 in door-to-door sales. This is probably the way that I would do it. Hey, here's what we're going to be covering. Here's how to do it. It's like, man, I gave them step-by-step how to do it. What's the problem? Not everyone's adopting this. What's, what's going on? Um, when I figured that out, you know, a good decade ago, what I always pride myself in, which would be a better, a better leader, better leaders cover the what, the why, and the how. They're covering the why. They're selling their team on why this is important, and they're covering how to do it. So now you're getting a better adoption rate. What I realized, and this is new, within the past month, I would say I realized this, is that I'm, I'm still messing up there because I'm covering the what, the why. There is no the why. Everyone's got a different one. So I would say best. The best leader covers the what, discovers everyone's why for that and then covers the how. It's doing a discovery. Um, with, and it's obviously, it's tough to do this on every change that you make, but it's borderline worth it when you can do it. You know, if you're having one-on-ones every week, it shouldn't be too tough to do, but it's not about the why. Like, you know, it, it, one big thing when it comes to, like you were saying, like, how do you kind of avoid being a dinosaur as a sales leader, you know, where you you kind of the game passes you by, you know, a, a big part of that is realizing that what worked for you won't work for everyone. What motivates you no longer motivates everybody the same way. When you did not have to do that discovery in the past, now you do. Oh, you built this team from scratch and you killed it. It's easier to do it when you built the team from scratch. You yeah. hired a bunch of people that were you too. You got to decide that. You take over a team. They're not you anymore. They're nowhere close to you. They might be better than you. But they're doing it differently. Their motivating factors are different. Their background is different. You know, teams become more and more diverse and it helps teams hit the number hands down. It's a strength, but you need to evolve and you need to improve your discovery because just going over the why, it no longer is the why. You think it is, but it's your why. You've got to find everybody else's to be able to roll that out. Um, It's doing it with urgency. Uh, The best way to do it is to to have trust 
And it's, it's looking at things. And a big thing I've learned is it's assuming it's knowing that never assume that a change is going to be an easy one for the team, because there are a lot of times where something is the biggest no brainer in the history of earth. And then you roll it out and you didn't lay that groundwork of asking questions and finding out why they do it the way that they do it right now, why they're married to that in their sales process. And it gets heavy resistance, even when it doesn't seem like there's any logic behind it. You know, it's uh, never assumed that something is going to be a no brainer. You're setting yourself up for failure if you do that. Oh, Troy, this was so good. What a great clip soundbite for us to end on right there. Dude, you are even better than I thought you'd be. We, we're, we're run up on time almost. I want to finish the way we always finish. I'm, I'm going to ask you the three questions I always ask, but I, I love what you just said. And then after we do the three rapid fire, I want to come back and get any final thoughts on how to be that elite kind of legendary mentor in the lives. So yep. we'll let you put a bow on it to finish up. Cool. So Absolutely. three questions. You ready? I'm ready. Number one, you kind of alluded to it. So I can't wait to have you hit it again. Biggest sales leadership challenge you, you see right now, and and how do you beat it? So I, I chose for new leaders on this because obviously it's different for every level of leadership and everything. It's different for everyone. For new leaders, especially if they're a performer before, which a lot of them are, it's that transition from having a hundred percent control of your destiny to giving that control up and putting your faith in your team to deliver for you. Uh, as far as how to beat it, I, I, I got three things. First, don't expect your people to be you. Uh, they never will be. Um, they might be better than you, um, but they're going to be different. You can't expect them to be you. Uh, second is you, you have to have faith. You have to be willing to give up that control and show people the way, but don't insist on doing it for them forever. You know, and if not, you're not scalable and you're going to be, a, a you might be an okay leader as far as your performance, but again, you're not going to have that learning tree for sure. Cause you never duplicated yourself and you're probably going to stay at a pretty low level from a leadership perspective. It's going to be hard to scale yourself if you're not, you know, willing to have some faith um, and give up control. And uh, last one, you know, uh, the last one be stay sharp forever. Uh, Take sales calls, Uh, be that elite closer that can provide value to any rep. Just because you're giving up control doesn't mean that your development stops as a salesperson. You should still be dangerous. They should still be chomping at the bit to get you on with a prospect. And if not, you're losing your team. If your team isn't confident that they want to put you on a call at any level, if you're a VP, you're still getting on those enterprise calls for sure. You know, you're, you're, you've lost your team um, or you're about to, um, or you definitely aren't where you could be um, for sure. Dude, that, awesome. 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 Thank you. That, that, such good stuff. When you're building a team and you're doing that, you've done that, you're good at that. Do you have a go-to interview question or topic that you, you kind of lean on and, and, when you use it, what are you looking for? Yeah, so uh, what, one that I like to, to do is, uh, and it's it's fairly new. I've I've done it o- over the past, you know, probably year or so. So I, I tell people like, hey, I've I've worked like a billion sales jobs. I've done a little bit of everything, and, and and with every new job, I learn more about what I cared about when it comes to culture, what I liked at other places, how I like to be coached, and also like almost more importantly, what am I trying to avoid. What are the things that I experienced? And I was like, I don't like that. I don't want to be in that environment again. And it might've even worked, but it wasn't for me. I didn't like it. It's, it, it didn't excite me. Um, that's how I preface it. And then I just ask them, you know, what's important to you in that regard? What's a, how do you like to be coached? How do you not like to be coached? 
what is important to you in terms of the culture of the team and what are things that maybe you'd want to avoid. Um, and it's just seeing whether or not, um, we would be a good fit, whether or not they would be a culture fit or not. Um, and it's kind of a way of asking them what motivates them without asking it. I think you get a little bit better info on it. Thank you again. Last one. Leaders quite often are readers. I don't care if you're turning pages and listening to audibles or if you're looking at it in terms of bite-sized chunks like podcasts or blogs. Is there anything that you'd suggest to our listeners that they get their hands on and consume? Yeah, the, to me, it's it's two that go hand in hand. It's like the Old Testament and the New Testament. But for me, okay. it's like the leadership Bible, for sure. It's, it's John Maxwell, developing the leader within you and Love developing it. the leaders around you. Those are, to me, like they're... It's unlimited quotes. Like to me, John Maxwell is the Michael Jordan of, of leadership. Like there, Amen, are dude, you had me at John Maxwell. You have, yeah. I got like 12 of his books, I think. Yeah. yeah. Probably a third of the books behind me are John Maxwell. I think, I think I have just about every book um, that, that he's, he's, he's ever penned. And uh, yeah, I, I started using them in 2008. Um, you know, I had a, had a rep that became a leader under me, um, you know, in door to door. His name is Joe Hausengay. And I remember I checked out developing the leaders around you at the library. And, um, you know, I may or may not have been able to return that book. I, 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 I'd, uh, I'm not sure if they're, uh, but I still work with them. I mean, Joe's at Panadoc. He's an SDR team lead at Panadoc, you know, and I, I made that investment with them and it worked and it's still, it's still working 13 years later, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, I can't, um, it, they're easy reads. They're, they're fun reads. Um, you know, it sounds weird to say, but it's like, it's big text. There's, there's graphs that are really simple in it and everything. There's visual aids where like, you, you don't feel like it's a chore to read those books. And there's so much, insanely good information in them um i'd absolutely recommend either one of them for sure okay we are we are past the time and i apologize man we got i gotta i want to wrap this up quick i want to i want to have them get access to you more of you all that stuff we'll do that in a second final thought we've talked about like a really great conversation it went faster than i thought it was even better than i thought i had high expectations thank you for your awesomeness any final thoughts to our listeners on how to be this elite high impact, legendary leader that is a game changer to those people that creates life changing years for those people they lead. It's uh, I'd say just whenever you arrive at a decision, think about what's going to be best for your team versus what's going to be best for you. Um, Because you're probably wrong about what's best for you. What's best for your team is what's best for you. If if you lean in that direction, you're going to win every time. Dude, that was good. All right. How do they get more of you? How do they connect with you? How do they learn more about hired? How, how, how do all those things happen? Um, best way would just be to hit me up on LinkedIn for sure. Uh, so it's Troy Barter on LinkedIn. Simple enough. Um, I accept every single connection request. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not stingy with it when it comes to that. Um, and, uh, that's, that's the main place to find me. Anywhere else where I would want you to find me, I would say it on a LinkedIn anyway. So I would definitely say that's that's the spot. Add me on there. Um, if you're not on LinkedIn, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter as well. You know, just search Troy Barter. I'll, uh, I'll pop up. It's the, same, uh, it's the same picture of my big mug on every one of them. So it's not tough. All right. He's Troy Barter. He's leading a high growth team at Hired. But more important than all of that, 
he's figured out that what's best for you is what's best for your team. And he is leaving the game better than he found it. As he said early in this show at at Troy, I want to thank you for an amazing conversation. I'm better off for having had it. I thank you for it. And as I said to everybody, happy selling my friend. Awesome. Thanks Rob. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I gotta thank my friends at Scipio for their support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Texting is one of the last platforms where you can really differentiate how you engage your customers. And there's no doubt in my mind that texting must be part of the modern sales process. I've dug into Scipio's product and I can tell you, I love it. Since I've started this partnership with Scipio, I've had several of the managers I work with hit me up and tell me just how impactful the Scipio platform has been for them. Its simplicity, the powerful features, and the impact that comes when you get texting done right, it makes this tool a no-brainer for the modern salesperson. Listen, not all text messaging platforms are created equal, and if you're looking to engage more with your clients and also to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, start using Scipio. Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one I've ever seen, and it's just that simple. I know the team personally, and I know they will give you an amazing experience. Take advantage of a free month with no strings attached. Compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Head over to Scipio.com and tell them I sent you by using the code ROB, that's R-O-B, on the sign-up page. You'll be blown away how quickly the right text platform can change the game for each member of your team. Now, This podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group, my company. And if you're like most sales leaders and you've been left to figure out your sales leadership system on your own, then man, I'd love to talk to you. Because while there's no shortcuts to success, you can get there faster if you take the most direct route. And if you like the content of this podcast, you will love the content in my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. Think of it like a Home Depot for sales leaders. My very best content, over 100 hours of training materials, everything organized by row in all the topics you need. You'll find whatever you need at Sales Leadership United. But if you've never had a coach in your corner, take my advice and give it a try. There's a reason the greatest performers in the world invest in themselves. The leaders I'm coaching, they're all having the best year of their career as they look for those small improvements that create huge impact. Save your most precious resource, your time. Small improvements create disproportionate results in both sales and sales leadership. And if you can win just a little more, just a little faster, you'll create massive results. If you want to find those small advantages that create massive results, hit me up today. Now, this this conversation with Troy was a really important one. I had this conversation with Troy a couple weeks ago, and I haven't stopped thinking about it. His relentless focus on people development is unique. It is clear that he isn't just focused on the quota or what a salesperson can do for him. Troy's had a lot of success as a leader, and it's easy to understand why when you listen to him. His entire focus is in investing in the people he leads, getting them on a path. And did you hear what he said early in the episode? That when he looked back on his career, at a time that he thought he was crushing, uh, and, and, and a time that he thought he was on a pathway that he was excited about, When he looks back now, he realizes he wasn't even on the path. He was kind of close. He was next to the path, but he described it as kind of being down in a ditch, kind of slogging through a bunch of muck and mud trying to figure things out. And he never had a sales leader 
that was that difference maker that invested in him and got him on the right path. And if he could have just gotten on that path quicker, it's crazy how much you think you could accomplish if you'd done that. I think too many sales leaders believe their role is to make sure the team hits its number, but they're wrong. The job of a sales leader is to help each person improve. And whether you're working with the most seasoned, most successful rep, all the way down to the newest, least experienced member of the team, our job is to help those you lead have life-changing years. To do better if you'd left to do better than if you'd left them on their own. And easily my favorite topic that we talked about today was when Troy brought up what he called the learning tree concept. I think this is something that will be a game changer for anyone who chooses to apply it. Your success as a leader comes in your ability to help those you lead have success and have it faster than if they'd had to figure it out on their own. The idea of a coaching tree has been used in evaluating sports coaches. It's kind of like a family tree. I, you know, your family tree where you show the down, the down at the roots, it's the mom and the first mom and dad, and then they had these kids and the branches spread, and you can see these big trees as the family grows. And in sports, the version of it is you have the picture of the coach and then these other people that they've been able to get into coaching. My favorite one is to think of Bill Walsh of the 49ers. He has this amazing coaching tree, this coaching universe, seven or eight coaches that he gets into coaching. And I'm thinking of Mike Holmgren, Holmgren, you know, Bill Walsh won a few Super Bowls and then he gets Holmgren in and he wins a few Super Bowls as a head coach. And then he gets five or six people into coaching and they win and the impact of Bill Walsh is is exponentially higher when you look at like two or three levels out in his coaching tree. And so I want you to think about your personal coaching tree like like you would a family tree. But now what you put in these in these are pictures of the people that you had influence with, okay? These are the pictures of the people surrounding you as a sales leader. I want you to think who have you helped achieve milestones in their career? Who did you help get promoted? Who have you helped have life-changing years? And then the pictures of those people, and then the people that those people go on to influence as a result of your influence, that's what makes your coaching tree. So I challenge each of you listening to this episode today, what does your coaching tree look like? How can you strengthen it in the coming year? Who can you have life-changing impact with? I talk more about this in some recent content I've released in Sales Leadership United, If you like this topic, head over to Sales Leadership United and dig into it there. Uh, I've been getting some great feedback about it. I've got a a full training coming out on this, and I hope that you find it as helpful as many of the others I work with regularly have. But I'll finish with this. The sooner you commit to doing what's best to those you lead, the sooner you'll be having elite impact in the lives of those people fortunate to be part of your team. So Troy, my man, you're awesome. Thank you so much for carving out an hour to join our show. Your insights are compelling and your commitment to growth and investment in your team is inspiring. I will echo Troy's statement that he made towards the end of this conversation when he said, what's best for your team is what's best for you. And the most self-interested move you can make, the most selfish move you can make is to choose to do right by your team. And if each of us can have the kind of commitment to the development of the members of our teams that Troy shared, we will have a massive impact in making the world of sales a better place. I believe almost every sales challenge and every negative stigma around sales can be cured with better sales leadership. So make the world a better place by implementing some of the suggestions shared by Troy today. Connect to Troy. Follow his content. 
His insights will help you in your own sales leadership journey. Thanks also to Scipio. If you haven't done so already, make sure you head over to Scipio.com, that's S-K-I-P-I-O.com, and take advantage of their free 30-day trial by using their tool for yourself. Go to the sign-up link, enter the code ROB, and start communicating with your prospects the way they want to be communicated with. You'll get results faster than you may have ever thought possible. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please give me a five-star review on iTunes. It will go a long way in helping us continue to get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give us is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite, live strong, chase your passions, and don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.